my, my boys love hiking and uh, exploring creeks and rivers, uh, checking out things, so much so that, that they start like collecting stuff and bringing river items and, and things to the house that, that our house is slowly morphing into a different climate. <laughs> it's kind of what's happening in, in, in rooms. There's different environments happening in different kids' rooms because of how much we've collected. Well, one thing we've collected is one of my sons has a crawfish. When He got a little aquarium uh, that, that he takes care of, and he, he cares about this crawfish and, and uh, loves, really loves, loves pets. Our kids love pets. And so you get a couple of pets in the house, a dog or whatever, it just loves them. Well, one day we had this crawfish, and the crawfish uh, uh, was just sitting there. Nothing was moving. Mom checked on it with the son. I came and checked on his son, and it's, it's just dead. Just a dead crawfish sitting in my son's tank that he's supposed to take care of. Now we're talking about blame. We're talking about why are you crying so much. Like a lot of sadness, right? Because of, of this death. Crying. But wait a minute. What's behind that rock? What's underneath that rock? What is that thing? Wait, that's the crawfish. Wait, if that's the crawfish, what is all this? And come to find out, it just shed its skin. And we go from, like, dead crawfish, sad, crying. This is the worst moment in this child's life to joy and celebrating, like, whooping, whooping. Uh, we're not AM fans. He's not going to go to AM, but he's whooping. Why? Because the thing that he thought was dead is now alive, and that's what's happening here. We're celebrating because six people who were dead have now been made alive with Christ. So whoop, let the joy flow. Like this is a, a, a party. So Ephesians 2 is what I want you to see. Ephesians 2 says, The Father, God, made us alive together with Christ. Even though, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace so the father made us alive in christ that's it that's what we're talking about alive you were dead now you're alive now if you see this connected to verse one what we'll see next week and all the way to verse five is that this is out of the father's great love for us and when we were dead in our trespasses in those two things, out of his great love and when we were dead, that's when he made us alive with Christ. So I'm talking about dead, meaning we're separated from God, dead to God, alive to sin, in bondage to sin, dead. Now, when we, when I, when we share the gospel, it's a lot like, like throwing out a life saver to someone who's drowning, right? We're telling them to repent and believe. Uh, look to Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Grab on to Jesus. That's our point of view. But from God's point of view, the truth is we weren't drowning. We didn't need a life saver. We were dead at the bottom of the ocean. We had already lost our lives, meaning a life saver is too late. And so Jesus doesn't throw you a life saver. He didn't say, hey, reach out to me. He jumps into the ocean swims down to the bottom where your dead carcass is, pulls you out, throws you on his back, swims to the top, gets to the surface, and then breathes life into you because you were dead, but now you're alive. That's what God does. 
see this in Ezekiel 37. There, there's a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus' life, and God comes to him and tells him, it's Ezekiel 37. He says, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. Sitting there, the middle of this valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said, God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. Why I say this, because it's really hard to kind of understand death to aliveness. Right, because we're living, you're breathing right now, you're thinking, it's hard to think, I, I, how can you say that I'm dead? How can you make an argument that I'm dead? Well, the reality is that we're just a bunch of bones, dead, lying in a valley with no life in them. And he s says, Lord, only you know. Eight lines later, the Lord says, I'm going to breathe my life into these bones, and they're going to be a vast army. And the reality is, that's us. That's us. The imagery from Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones, is the imagery of your story. Your story of being dead, dry bones in a valley of death, but... God, verse 4 of Ephesians 2, being rich in mercy out of his great love, what? Made us alive together with Christ. And that's what he promised. If you go back from Ezekiel 37 to back up to Ezekiel 36, that's what he said he was going to do. He said, you have a heart of stone in you. I'm going to rip it out of you and I'm going to put a heart of flesh in you. Meaning you've got a dead heart and you need surgery, you need to be made alive, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to place my spirit on you, and you're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. This is what God has done to you. If you are in Christ, if you are united with Christ. In, in his prayer in chapter 1, if you backed up a little bit and went to verses 20 and 21 from last week, Paul describes God's display of, of power. And when he says that God is powerfully, powerfully working in you, his dynamite energy is working in you. And we want to understand, well, what's that, that dynamis, energia, that dynamite energy? What is that? How powerful is it? And he says, it's the power that rose Christ from the grave. That's the power. And set him at the right hand of the Father where he reigns right now. And then Paul now is going to go into us. He's saying that power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hands of the Father is the same power that powerfully and dramatically took you from death to life. It's his power. Meaning this is all about being united with Christ. That you are not alive separate from him. There is not life. There is not a, a different kind of enlightenment outside of Christ. One author writes, our union with Christ through faith and expressed in baptism entails a solidarity with Christ. A solidarity with Christ in his death, which renders us free from our slavery to sin. But it also involves participation with him in his resurrection, 
which leads to a new life. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Alive. And how does he qualify that? You are saved by grace. Titus 3 would say, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Meaning saved from the wrath to come. Saved from our enemies. And, and I, I just go back a little bit because it's happening right now in like political ideologies just to remind you that humans, people made in the image of God aren't your enemies, but what we wrestle with is death and sin indwelling in us and the devil, that that's who we're wrestling with, that's who we're fighting with, but the truth is the past instance of save. Do you see it? You are saved by grace. This meaning it has happened. Your deadness didn't allow you to choose life, and also now your aliveness means you can't choose death because what God has made alive, you can't make dead. So you just get to celebrate that. This is what He's done is He's raised Christ and He's also raised us with Christ, and now we get newness of life. By grace means this is all predicated on God's monstrous, unfailing, unceasing, unearned love for you. That's grace. Again, Titus 3, not according, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. It's like Jesus calling dead Lazarus alive out of the tomb out of his compassion for Lazarus Jesus wept and out of his compassion for Lazarus and deep mercy Jesus said Lazarus come forth and just like that happened to Lazarus that's what's happened to you if you've met Jesus if his grace has powerfully cosmically collided with your heart and he's made you alive you can put your faith in Jesus this is you this is what's happened Jesus said to you at one point Amanda, come forth. David, come forth. Nate, come forth. Mary, come forth. And what happened? You were dead. You woke up and you walked out to see the one who made you alive. We cannot overemphasize the importance of regeneration because Christianity is not about becoming a nicer person. Nor is it about starting a new religious routine or a new self-help actualization steps. It's about becoming a new person. One night, a religious man named Nicodemus came to Jesus with some spiritual questions. And he had a lot of religious knowledge. He had a lot of things he could talk about. He had a lot of questions he could ask about. But he hadn't been made alive. And Jesus told him, I assure you, in John 3, 3, I assure you, Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so while I am vehemently trying to encourage us to celebrate what's happened to these six brothers and sisters that we're about to dunk and celebrate with them, I also want to tell you, how can you be made alive? 
Like we're doing all this celebration, but if in your own soul you know that you're dead, that you're separated from God, if you feel all this this angst and this guilt between you and him, and you don't know how actually to get to him, and a lot of people have told you to follow uh, X, Y, and Z rules because that's what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about you following the rules. Christianity is about God making you alive through Christ. And now you're alive. Eternal life is not doing things for God. Eternal life is knowing and living with God forever. That's what you're invited into. Meaning, some of you guys are zombies right now and don't even know that you're dead. And you need the Spirit of God to show you that you're dead and show you that there's only one hope in life and death, and that is the God-man, Jesus, who died in your place for your sins to redeem you, forgive you, adopt you into the Father's family, and to love you forever. That's all of chapter 1. So what does it look like to be made alive? Put your faith in Jesus. Believe that Jesus died in your place for your sins and that God powerfully raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavens where he is reigning and praying for his people now. Meaning, I want you to get dunked as well. Not today, but soon. I want you to be made alive today. There's this great story of George Whitfield, if you know him, he was a 18th century evangelist, part of the Great Awakening, and he preached on John 3 a lot, a lot, about the necessity of being born again. Now, one time he's pouring out his heart, and there's a story that goes, he's, he's preaching <laughs> during, like, he's in the middle of the Great Awakening, or this revival is happening, he's preaching a sermon, I don't know if it's open or air or not, most likely, and there's a man with pockets stuffed with rocks who came to hear him for the purpose of physically attacking George Whitfield, most likely stoning or throwing these rocks in his pockets at George Whitfield. But after the gathering, the man made his way up to the preacher and he emptied his pockets and he said this, I came to hear you with my pocket full of stones to break your head, but your sermon got the better of me and broke my heart. That's what God does. Vehement, angry, malicious, apathetic, uncaring, self-righteous people get to hear the good news of Jesus for them. And Jesus comes and breaks their hearts to show them what they need and to give them life that they don't have and to give them forgiveness for all their sins. And to give them real relationships that aren't based upon affinity, but are based upon our God who's created us. And he's pulled us in this relationship with him and others. This is the life. And that's what we're here to celebrate. That he melts <laughs> the hardest of hearts. And he gives new life. That's what these six people are going to do. And so we're going to allow them to share their story, to tell them, to brag about Jesus, what Jesus has done for them. And then I, I'm inviting everyone that's, that's here, if, you, if you're part of this family, and if you're not, this is a family. It's a family celebration. And so this is your brothers and sisters getting dunked to celebrate what Jesus has done to them and for them. So we gave you clappers.
kids, use them. Parents, grab them. Yell, clap, rejoice, because this is a celebration. Heaven will not be a boring, monotone lecture. It will be a joy-filled worship gathering forever. So I'm inviting you to that. I'm inviting you to a glimpse of heaven. A glimpse of, hey, this is already but not yet. Men and women and children have new hearts and they're alive. So if you're, if you're a, uh, one of these, will you come over here? I'm going to pray for you. And then they're going to tell their story right over here by the tank. And we're going to tank and we're going to dunk them. Come on down right here. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray for these six folks. I pray that they would share and brag and rejoice and <laughs> declare what you've done for them. That they would brag on you. Talk about how good you are to them, what you've done in their lives. And then may we celebrate with them as we get in the tank and rejoice. In Christ's name, amen.